<laughs> Welcome everyone to Marvelous Movie Mondays. I'm Dylan. That's Kelsey. It's funny because when the theme song plays, I can see all the parties in the stream below in the video stream. And so I see Kelsey get up, run around her room to, I guess, maybe open some curtains, turn on some lights. I don't know what she was doing. And then just jump back in her seat, like on the beat, right as the, the song finishes. So that was very entertaining. I wish you all had seen that. I wish I had time to film that. But I not. Kelsey, how you doing? I'm doing good, Dill. Yeah, the sun went behind a few clouds. So I was like, oh, I got to put some more lights on. So <laughs> okay. I was rushing around during the intro, but I, I landed back in place as if nothing had happened. Wow, just in was, time for the was, podcast that was, that was amazing um we are recording this early a different morning not monday morning but uh so I, my voice is a little richer and deeper in baritone mm. um but it's okay because the actor we're talking about is a little more soft-spoken too uh we're talking about <laughs> mark ruffalo today yeah, we're, we're revisiting our avengers movie club we haven't done it since uncharted came out and we did tom holland um but we've done it with a few of them we've done it we did it with rdj we did it with brie larson um chris evans uh, Tom Holland, Chadwick Boseman, I believe those are the five. Oh, and Scarlett Johansson. So we've done six of these. So this is our seventh Avengers movie club. We're making our way through uh, the Avengers. We've almost got the core six done. Uh, and mm. spoiler alert, we're doing another one next week. Um, we're, we almost got the core six done. Um, and uh, and also some Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, and Black Panther. Like That's like the core we wanted to finish. And then we're going to go into like the next like tier. Uh, and then we'll eventually get get to everyone because everyone deserves to be seen and then maybe even some directors in the MCU. But that's a little ways down the way. We're still in off season. Kelsey, are you enjoying the Marvel off season? Are you ready for She-Hulk? Because it's this is why we're doing Mark Ruffalo's because of She-Hulk. But it's like two. It's still a whole week away at, or two weeks away. Uh, how, how have you been treating yourself in the off season right now? You know, Dill, I've we've been doing a lot of these trivia matches, and um, the closer we get to a potential title match, the more nervous I'm getting. So honestly, wow. I've been hitting the books again. I've been rewatching movies, taking notes, uh, all that jazz in preparation for potentially nice. going up against someone later on in the year. So that's how wow. I. So really, I haven't had a Marvel off season because even when we're off season. I'm watching Marvel movies. Right. And, and with trivia, when you're studying, you're, you're getting things for the first time that you've never gotten before sometimes. So it is a fresh watch every time. Yeah. Um, but uh, these are three movies. Uh, only one of them was a fresh watch for me. I don't know how many were for Kelsey, but we are talking about three of Mark Ruffalo's movies. We only do three on this podcast uh, for Avengers Movie Club because three movies is in itself a task to watch in a week. So uh, it's not like picture this where you have the whole month to watch five or 10 movies. Um, so we picked three that we think kind of span his career. We try to pick a, a, a three movies that fit in the umbrella of uh, encompassing someone's career in terms of genre and time to see how the actor has evolved. We didn't pick any of his like really, really early works. We The, the earliest we went is 2004 uh, because that was like kind of the breakout year of movies for us and what we've seen of Mark Ruffalo's. And this is, seems like a good showing of one of his younger works. And that was 13 going on 30 from 2004. And then mm -hmm. we're also doing Zodiac from 2007 with another big familiar Marvel face, a few, um, but uh, two, 2007, Zodiac. That's our more dramatic, uh, darker film of the of the bunch. And then uh, his first Oscar nomination, 2010, The Kids Are All Right. So uh, we've got three films, three, in my opinion, good films, ranging on great films. There's not a bad film in the bunch, in my opinion, but uh, we'll get there when we talk. Um, mm. And uh, <laughs> you know, we we left out a bit some big ones. So I I was always told Kelsey, if we run out of Avengers. 
which we probably won't considering they add like 20 a year. <laughs> um, we, we will hopefully cycle back or, or at least maybe uh, on some of the other shows like picture this or something. Well, obviously Chad and I are going to talk about spotlight cause that one best picture. And, you know, we're going to talk about, um, well, we're not going to talk about uh, those movies. Anyway, uh, there are other movies of Mark Ruffalo's that I want to visit uh, or revisit soon. Uh, anyway, but I implore you to check out these three and, and a bunch of those ones. But Kelsey, cool slate of movies. Let's start though at, at the top. To, uh, this week is your birth week, so it only it's only fitting that we're talking about thirteen going on thirty. Oh um, yeah. Which spoiler alert? It's my favorite rom com of all time. Um, wow. So, so I'm very excited because I've never talked about this movie on the channel. But Kelsey, uh, you always give a little summary. Do you have anything for us for for this one? I sure do, Dill. So oh, as you said, 13 Going on 30 came out in 2004, same year as uh, Mean Girls. It was a great year for movies. Oh, yeah. um, and it was directed by Gary Winnick. Mm -hmm. um, and here's my little summary for it. After receiving Wishing Dust for her 13th birthday from her best friend Maddie, Jenna Rink wishes to be 30 and is transported to the future. Only her life at 30 is not at all what she expected it to be. Yeah, it's, it's so interesting. And and the thing that I always appreciate about this movie opposed to other time travel movies is like, it, like big, I think a big, he becomes bigger and older, but he's still living in the time period he's in. Mm. Um, whereas I like this one because she literally grows and, and becomes big, but she's in the future. So like, she her consciousness is replaced with her 13 year old's consciousness but the events are still playing out as if all time has passed so she time travels while still having the same mindset like she's basically body hopping yeah it, it's very interesting very crazy and weird but i kind of love it um yeah but what, are, what are your thoughts on this because because i i don't know if I, i'm assuming you've seen this before i'm not sure um also just wanted to mention we do have a few marvel faces just got to shout out judy greer mm -hmm. uh, absolutely and, and paul rudd's ex-wife in the ant-man movies uh sorry i don't know why i said paul rudd scott lang's wife <laughs> paul rudd and judy greer did not marry at least not uh -huh. as not as far as i know uh andy circus <laughs> which we'll talk about a very different role from claw in this movie mm -hmm. um and then uh brie larson who blink and you miss it uh very very small role in the background she's one of the six chicks i think her name yes is. um that's that's she does have a line though so good she for does larson. Okay. okay there we go i think it might be her first thing maybe um I and think. obviously we didn't cover it on her movie club but we'll get into talking about <laughs> it now um great performance brie uh, we we knew from the start you'd be an oscar winner um <laughs> <laughs> from your one and only line as a six chick we saw the potential in you we said sure. yep you're gonna win an oscar for a small drama about an abduction and you're gonna go on to play the marvel equivalent of superman congratulations so to answer your question, Dill, yes, I have seen 13 Going on 30. Um, it was always one of those movies that was like in the DVD in the back of like someone's car and you would pop into like the okay. like the, the DVD player in the car oh, and wow. you'd like watch it before it's the soccer game. That, that is my memory of this movie. Um, yeah, so I have seen this movie. So it was definitely a fun rewatch. It was definitely... It like we do with most things. I feel like we watch from like the '90s or the early 2000s. We watch it in like a different lens, going, "Hmm, mm. kind of weird, kind of weird that she's like a 13 year old like right. at heart in a 30 year old's body." And then 
the one scene in particular is when they're at the she's at the bar with um judy greer her best friend Mm -hmm. um and she's like and her friend's like oh my god that guy's totally checking you out and jenna being a 13 year old at in her mind goes up to another 13 year old and is like hey like i actually came over here because i thought you're really cute and you're just (laughs) like oh my god no 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 don't do that I, uh, I see what you mean, yeah. Like it, you know it could come mean? across a, a little cringy, but I still I thought it was think... it was funny, but it's also just yeah. like, huh? Two thousand and four comedy, gotta love it. <laughs> I, yes, I, I think though because of its premise and it makes its premise so clear and like really establishes how weird it is from the get go. I think like I I I I, I think if you watch this as a thirty year old. Or, or I'm not a 30 year old, so I wouldn't know. But like, it's, I think it's more entertaining watching it older. Like, I think it's still built for more of an older audience than a younger one. Honestly, like, sure. I, I, I think a 13 year old could enjoy this, but I think it's almost more funny if you are older from that perspective watching it. Um, I, I didn't think about that how cringy it could be, uh, but also Jennifer Gardner sells it so well too that yeah. I'm like I don't mind it at times. Like, yeah. she's just so sweet and innocent. But you, you really see the growth that she goes through because she has a tough task, and I've always said like the toughest task you can do as an actor is like playing not like playing another actor but like playing like i don't know how to how to say this but exactly this like like another actor in in your body like another character in the piece like like in scooby-doo when they all switch bodies and yeah like like kind of like like that like that's that's a very hard task or playing a very against type but still having to like keep the same exterior yeah. which i think is interesting like when someone's under a spell or something if like a witch casts it on them and it's like still them but they're like in a trance or so like that's always very hard because you got to try to keep the core of what the character's physicality is but also bring now this new whole persona and personality to it. I, I think it's a very hard acting challenge and i think people yeah. who just write this off as like a silly little coming of age comedy you know they're, they're missing i mean sometimes comedy is the hardest performance to do is because you have to like really um, hone into the specifics and, and specifically with this one, the physicality and just the different mannerisms. I mean, it's such a tough task and I think she does it very well. Yeah, no, I agree. The perform the, all the performances in this movie are, are very delightful. Jennifer Gardner specifically, like is mm-hmm. obviously I don't want to say the standout because she's the lead, but like, yeah. you know, she, she does mm-hmm. an excellent job in this role. The first thing I noticed still that I honestly loved right off the bat were the costumes. I thought the yeah. costumes were so fun. Like we start in the eighties and like everything's like super colorful. And then we're like, we move on. I think it's like, we have to be in like the. Probably the present day. Two thousand. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Something Before. like that. And, and even still then, like she's, she's dressed in that like iconic, the striped green dress where she's mm-hmm. drinking the pina coladas and she does the thriller dance. Oh, it's like all that... the, co- like the costumes are just so fun. That's what I noticed. Yeah, we'll, right. right we'll away. get to thriller. We'll get to thriller in a sec, but mm-hmm. I, I just want to talk about, yeah, the costumes. I, I think it's fun. Cause like, this is a movie about fashion to an extent. Cause she works for mm-hmm. a fashion magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a fashion magazine. I, it's yeah. weird because I watch these movies and, and so many details just when we record just slip. I, I forgot <laughs> six chick name, but no, no, I got it. Um, no, you're yeah, killing the it. fashion. It, it's, it's a big part of it. I love movies about fashion because they very clearly care about the fashion and care about the design and the aesthetic. Again, yeah. this could just be a random run of the mill uh, rom-com, but they really put effort into making the design look nice. And I think it also informs the character again, like the choices, the fact that like she dresses 
in the clothes that Jenna has when she's 30, but makes it look almost 80s-esque like she's used to and the way she designs her hair and the things she puts in her hair. And like, I really like that too, because it's just every little detail. uh, It's just such a good character building piece. Like aside from the comedy, aside from the romance, like just the character study itself. It's a very interesting one. It's it's like a man child, but it's not the annoying kind of Will Ferrell. uh, And I love Elf, but like his kind of his kind of shtick of the man child thing. Like this seems very sincere. And and, and I think that's what's different about this movie than a lot of other movies that are similar is that it's not all about the gags. There are a lot of gags, but it's more about the heart and the sentimentality. And we'll get to our guy that we're talking about right down there, (laughs) like because we haven't even brought him up yet. But that's a big part of it, too, is their relationship, because it seems so honest and sincere. And when you have to kind of separate the fact that it is a 13 year old with this older man, uh, but he doesn't know, you know, and and I think that's the thing, too, is like they all know her as Jenna who is 30. Um, yeah. And I think that also forgives some of the oddness and awkwardness, but, um, but I love those fashion choices, but let's talk about thriller real quick. Cause it's like, sure. <laughs> I, I, that scene might be my favorite scene of all time. I love that scene so much. Cause it, it again, it's seeing these actors that are like so awkward, like and Andy Serkis isn't awkward, but it's awkward seeing him knowing what else he's done. Like this is Gollum. This sure. is Caesar from Planet of the Apes. This is Claw. Okay, getting up and doing the thriller and 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 just working it. Um, I love just his character in this, and then Mark Ruffalo, and I think that's the the emotional core. I think because they could have just made it uh, put it at ten the whole time in terms of energy and and gags and goofs and all that stuff. But I think Mark Ruffalo, because he is kind of in all these movies, kind of the more like soft, low, low key, laid back presence i think it really balances out jenna well and especially in this number seeing him then come out of his shell and be a little bit more awkward with the thriller dance but then like get into it i just love that because it's like you see them connecting more because obviously there's this tarnished past we don't really understand the ins and outs we kind of Mm -hmm. understand because she became popular and he didn't um yeah but i love just how how that kind of just brings them back together a little bit and, and just seeing the the smiles on their faces like that movie is like that moment is like the pivotal point for me i i love that moment yeah, that's definitely like top like iconic scenes in rom coms like yes. ever. That's got to be on yeah. some sort so, sort of top ten. Yes, list. when I said favorite scene, I meant in rom coms. Like not like this is not beating the you know the tears in the rain Godfather monologue or like the oh, I am sure, Iron Man sure. snap or you know singing well singing in the rain is kind of a rom com in a way. But like there are other movies with more iconic scenes. But in terms of rom coms, like this is my favorite. no. This is this is definitely it. This is top of the pops. Honestly, deal. What I love about this movie is that it has this whole other layer of like i feel like just reminding all the adults in in the movie to not lose their you know their like childhood whimsicality Mm -hmm. you know because it's that it's that young spirit and it's that you know different perspective that 13 year old jenna brings to the table like especially in her work life that ends Mm -hmm. up you know being the pitch that the andy circus goes with and it's like you know, it really allows you to take a step back and it almost reminds you, you know, like, don't take life so seriously. And it was super fun watching this movie again. Like, it had been, like, certainly at least a decade since I've watched this movie. Really? For, for uh, sure. I, I watch this sure. at least three times a year. No, not in full, necessarily, <laughs> but, like, I'll put on the TV and I'll be like, let me put some of 13 going on 30 on. Or sure. I'll be scrolling through and if it's on, I stop. Because, like, that's the thing is, like, we we nowadays we have streaming, so it's not as yeah. common of an occurrence, but if I'm at my parents' house, if I'm down the shore and there's, like, a listing a of a guide on, and I'm, like, yeah. and, I, and I'm clicking through, I'm like, alright, and I get to 13 going on 30, I'm stopping. If there's five minutes left, if there's 45, if there's an 
hour and a half left. I am stopping. Um, it, but I like what you said about like the way it, it, it like kind of informs, yeah, like work, the workplace and what it means to be a working adult uh, and looking at it through the lens of a child experiencing this and questioning the things like wait what like and all mm-hmm. this backstabbing and betrayal and, yeah. and all that stuff and, and that dirty stuff that that happens when you become older and you kind of uh, you become selfish in a way um, yeah and especially to see what happened with their friendship because that's that's what's heartbreaking is when you find out mm-hmm. that they haven't talked in forever when she shows up at his door and he's like jenna i, I haven't seen you in forever and it's like what like oh my god like, like no, they, yeah. they haven't talked and it's sad we're you know because like, you think of your childhood friends and like i i know you you and your childhood friends are very very close still but like there are some uh, along the way that that you know you don't necessarily uh connect with as much like like i yeah. think of my close friends and, and a lot of my close friends from childhood i haven't talked to in, in a long time i still keep up with some of them but it's like it's tough and you start to remember like you know as you get older you have to hold on to those friendships and really make them count and make them last and, and do podcasts with your friends. And, you know, that's how I, I keep in touch with you and Zach so often, but like, you know, a lot of other friends, it's, yeah. like, it, it, it's tough sometimes to make the time no, and get yeah. the time to, to get together and keep up and, uh, you know, pick up right where, where you left off or catch up on all you've missed. But, um, and this, this, I think also reminds me as a viewer to like, remember to catch up with your friends and, and don't let those great memories go to waste uh, and, and leave the people who were special in building you as a person behind. Uh, because yeah, the, these two, Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner together are just so delightful. Um, yeah. And, and I love what Mark Ruffalo brings to this. Cause like, we haven't talked a ton about him, but like his character is really important to show the same the guy who who we because we've only seen these two characters essentially and kind of the judy greer's character when they were younger mm-hmm. so to see like them older you know you he you have to see how he's changed so differently than jenna and and i think that's what's kind of sad and heartbreaking but also what's so charming but even he kind of loses his way in the fact that he's marrying someone he doesn't really love and i think that's yeah. a big step too and not just the workplace like you mentioned but like in life and relationships also don't settle just because you're older you know like or or just don't feel like you need to do something because it's because you're supposed to if, if that makes sense like I, yeah. I i think there's a lot of life life lessons to learn from this and i think 13 going to 30 is a lot more profound than people give it credit for because no, it is silly yeah. and it is funny and they're doing thriller and she's wearing all these wacky clothes but i mean it, it really has a nice sentimental core at its, at its core so yeah and i feel like there's even a lesson for the younger crowd as well in this mm. movie dale where it's just like maybe being popular and trying to get in and trying to fit in and be in the it crowd isn't everything you expect it to be. Right. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. she, she's like, wow, I got everything I ever wanted, but at what cost I lost my best friend. And now I grew up to be this like evil conniving backstabbing person who's been, you know, selling off our ideas to the other magazine. It's like, this is what I, what I didn't, this isn't what I wanted my life to be like. Which, and I do. Yeah. I was just on that note to be sure. fair. Uh, the only part, the only part that I criticize that I have trouble believing that anyone Jennifer Garner could ever play would be conniving and evil. Like sure. I just have no, no way of believing that like this character would ever grow up to be that. But hey, maybe that's just how powerful Judy Greer's corruption on her was. Yeah. Uh, but like in my mind, I'm like, how can Jennifer Garner of all people? And I share a birthday with her, so I'm a little like you know biased <laughs> territory. Okay. But like you, you know, like Jennifer Garner, born April seventeenth how can she possibly play someone mean like and and that's the thing is and we don't see it that's what's nice is we don't and i love that too is we don't see the jenna that that 
everyone else sees and that's what's so awesome too is we hear from everyone else like oh like like i love the the role like the assistant or the or the receptionist or whatever who, like, oh yes is, yes yes treated well and is like almost surprised by it. like she's so sweet yeah everyone in this is so sweet except for judy greer's character but like you know she needs to be there we need an antagonist um what were you gonna say Kelsey? i was just gonna say and i really have to like commend you know mark ruffalo and Jen- jennifer gardner and they're also like their younger selves because yeah. it really felt like i mean i don't know who was studying who i don't know if the younger yeah, were studying yeah. the older or the older were studying them because they really kind of really had like the same talking patterns the same physicalities like i really did believe that like the like you know jennifer gardner and, and uh, mark ruffalo could have been the older version of the of the two younger characters you know what i'm I mean? giving i'm giving credit to yeah krista b allen and sean marquette because i i yeah i am i am very much convinced that mark ruffalo is just doing his mark ruffalo thing and that mm-hmm. those that sure. little boy was trying to mimic him or, yeah. or embody him I, I shouldn't say mimic but um because mark ruffalo and this is something we'll get with with a bunch of these movies like i said he's very laid back but what i like about all three of these movies is that he's a different type of laid back because each movie needs a different type of function we'll get with zodiac where his more laid back nature works in that film versus kids are all right how that work laid back nature works in that film versus this where the laid back nature works this is almost to show a more endearing laid back side to him um and I like that. I like how he's has a similar vibe in all the movies, but they don't mm-hmm. always serve the same function. He's not ever boring either. Like he's still very yeah. intriguing. And I think that's because he's just such a warm persona himself. Um, mm-hmm. And and I really enjoy just his screen presence. I, I think it's different than a lot of actors we see working today, especially compared to like you see Robert Downey Jr. And we'll talk about it in the next movie, but like he's very, he's he, he takes up, he eats up the scenery. He chews mm-hmm. the scenery at every scene he's in. Whereas Mark Ruffalo kind of just, dances around the shadows a little bit but there's something kind of really intriguing about that and, and i really totally. like how he brings that to this film especially when everyone is like i said delivering out of 10 in terms of energy and and, and quirkiness and all that like andy circus is doing a lot in this movie and i love it um <laughs> you know everyone's bringing their a game but some are bringing it in a mo- more over extroverted way and i like how he's more introverted in almost every role he's played uh yeah. even bruce banner and that's why he was cast like he's supposed to be this more meek quiet timid smart soft gentle person because then Mm. when he becomes a hulk it's such a great dichotomy between those personalities and that's why he was the perfect choice sorry edward norton it's true (laughs) yeah dill it's funny to me because we i watched these three movies and i was like wow these were very three different characters for him like they were all vastly different and it was so I was just like, wow, like Mark Ruffalo, like I feel like he gets slept on a little bit as an actor, but like he's really out here doing like pretty much any kind of character. But it was with this role specifically in 13 Going on 30 that I was just watching it. And I got some acting advice recently from a teacher and she said, the most interesting thing about you is you. And I feel like that reigns true here with Mark Ruffalo. You know what I mean? Because like he's, he's really, it's just like his, you know, like it's his, it's his own like quirkiness, like I, as you keep saying, his laid backness, his his style of talking, like everything, just like everything about him, just like draws you in and like yeah. makes you love this character. And it's you know, it's he's the reason why you kind of like root for these two people to like end up together at the end. You know what yeah. I mean? Because he is a great contrast to everything that Jennifer Gardner's got going on. Yeah. You know, which and you, is crazy. And you gotta- 
yeah and you got to understand like why ultimately he does decide to be with her and change his mind and stuff and and i i think there's a little bit of a difference in in just you kind of have to separate yourself from the logic of like wait so at the end like how does she get back to to him in the end like like what what does history like how much altering history happens like what necessarily changes because obviously we see that when she changes she goes back to her 13 year old self she kisses him and and they are they grow up old together but like yeah but my question is like what other alternate history does that change is she as successful as she is does she get that job at the news at the magazine Mm. or whatever like what changes but then at the end i'm like but that's not what we need to think about. Like, that's not what the filmmakers want us to think about. They want us to think about what happened with the two of them because sure. that's what, what we want to leave thinking about. Like we want it to be that even if she didn't end up getting a good job or a job at all, like it doesn't matter because he's there. And I think that's what, yeah. what the big takeaway is. And I, and I love that. And we have to understand why that is the most important aspect of the film and not her career, not her personal journey necessarily, but like their journey together. And I think that's what Mark Ruffalo sells really well and Jennifer Garner but like everyone really in this film sells really well i love her parents too uh we haven't yeah. even talked about them kathy baker and phil reeves like i love the scene where she goes home and they play mm-hmm. vienna on the subway train when or the, on the train when she's on her way home and and it's sad because it's like that's where you you start to see more of the blending of of a younger jenna becoming more mature that's like really where we see her first like huge like adult crisis and yeah, I really, I, I just love that that moment. Um, it brings me to tears, and and that's why I love this movie is because it's not just a comedy. It it has so many different layers, and uh, it is my favorite rom com. I I think it's a perfect movie. I I know there are issues other people have with it, but I think it's a perfect movie. I don't care what anyone says. It's ten out of ten for me. Um, I know we give our scale uh here, and Kelsey kind of goes by how how she would recommend it as a Mark Ruffalo movie, and I know he's not necessarily the lead um of any of these movies, but I think he is so good and i think this movie's so good so it's, it's a 10 out of 10 for me a perfect oh wow yeah perfect i mean it's my favorite rom-com you. it's my favorite rom-com i'm not gonna yeah, give it that, less. i'm not gonna give it anything less you know what okay. uh no. i i'm gonna give 13 going out 30 and 8 out of 10 nice i thought you were gonna say 13 uh, <laughs> 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 i'm kidding um if i could give I it a know, 13 i, I was, would... originally i was like I, was, I gave it a seven but i we were we've been talking so highly of it and i've just been realizing things that i've liked about it through this conversation i'm like you know what i'm gonna bump it up a, a notch and, and that's also my bias kind of taking over the podcast here you, you're allowed to think <laughs> however you want about this movie but i think it's perfect um but uh I, yeah there's no real segue i could get from 13 going on 30 to the zodiac killer. Zodiac. So let's just jump into it 2007's zodiac uh directed by david fincher uh yes. big name director some big names in the cast let's get to it kelsey tell us about zodiac I'm so glad. Oh, wait, I also had the director written down. I'm like, I'm glad you said it because I don't even think I wrote it down this time. No, 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 it's good. It's good. Okay, so here's my summary. In this thriller based off of... Okay. In this thriller based off of true events, Mark Ruffalo plays Inspector David Tashi, one of the many people dedicated to finding the Zodiac Killer. Nice. I like how you like spun it to make it about Mark Ruffalo at the end of the day, because honestly, this is more of an ensemble piece in the fact that like it's yes. more about the three guys and then it kind of becomes more about just Jake Gyllenhaal in the last act. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the three guys working together uh, to kind of solve the crimes of Zodiac Killer. And this is the one I actually hadn't seen. I'm a huge David Fincher fan. Obviously. Oh, wow. So, social Dale. Network, Social Network, probably the best film of the 2010s. 
maybe i don't know mm. uh, that i would have to go back and look but like it, it's heralded by many as the best film of the 2010s he's made some absolute classics fight club and um you know wow i'm blanking on a lot of the other ones girl with the dragon tattoo and uh seven which is like the Ooh. prototype for all future crime movies including this one uh so it'll be interesting to talk about but um had you you've you'd seen this before correct this was my fourth time watching Whoa. this film. He's also okay. done Gone Girl. Yes, that's right. The that's Curious Case of ben- Benjamin, Benjamin Button. Button. Yeah, Sorry. Alien, was Alien just- 3 was his first movie, um, which is funny because, you know, that is supposed to be one of the worst Alien movies. I haven't even seen it. Uh, so it really oh. goes to show your debut is not what defines you, um, especially when you're working in a franchise. Sometimes it just takes some more individual works uh, to blossom. Uh, but Kelsey, yeah, you said this is your fourth time. Um, yeah. Before we get into your thoughts, <laughs> I just want to also bring up uh, a few Marvel faces yet yeah. again. Um, Robert Downey Jr. obviously plays a big part in the first half of this movie. Um, and then uh, Brian Cox, who is not an MCU face, but is a, a Marvel villain in another franchise we watched, X-Men. He is uh, William Stryker in X2, um, the older man, uh, William Stryker. So um, those are just some fun, familiar faces. Uh, but anyway, Kelsey, tell me, what, what are your thoughts on Zodiac? Because you've seen it four times, which means you probably like it. Uh, a good deal oh and jake gyllenhaal mysterio duh i, f- I always forget jake gyllenhaal is in the mcu um because what are your what are your thoughts because i i, I have interesting takes uh but i want to get your take well bill i'm a mystery thriller girl and i yeah. especially love if it's like based off of a real person because uh, mm. you know to this day we still don't really know who this zodiac killer was like this is still an unsolved case to this day i mean we have mm. pretty strong inklings that it was the guy that Ted they Cruz. were uh, oh, sorry. Oh, him, but also um, Arthur Lee Allen, like the guy at the end of the movie. Um, John Carroll they, Lynch's character, yeah. Yeah, where that's who we strongly suspect who, who it is. But at the end of the day, we still don't know. So this movie was just super fascinating to me. And a lot, a lot of great performances in this movie. It's a long one. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's long. Um, mm-hmm. But it's it's good. And, it, and I was going into it because I knew it was an unsolved when I you know watched it the first time I was like I wonder if they pin it on somebody I wonder if they wrap it up like put it in a nice bow like Hollywood likes to do but you know they kind of leave it open-ended as as the case is and it's interesting because like I I think it's interesting watching a true crime thriller when you know what's coming in terms of like I knew this was kind of an unsolved case so the whole time I wasn't thinking they would kind of pin it on one guy Mm -hmm. um but but at the same time, the movie sets it up to make it seem like you're going to find out who it is. So when, sure. when you don't get that resolution, sometimes some some could say that's a letdown. Um, it yeah. wasn't necessarily for me, only because I kind of knew it was coming that it wouldn't be. But at the same time, I had heard of Arthur Lee Allen just because mm-hmm. I've heard of my, like, done my own research. Not not mm-hmm. like I sat down and like researched the Zodiac Killer, but just no, no, no. Stuff. But like, sure. and and when for some reason when. I was watching this movie. I knew John Carroll Lynch was the the villain or the or the the the, the supposed killer. I knew he was Arthur sure. Lee Allen. So I don't know if that tinted my perception of the movie because like every suspect that wasn't him, I just wasn't believing. Or in those mm. scenes where you're kind of like not sure, you can't see his face or you kind of hear his voice. I was like, that's John Carroll Lynch's voice. Like oh, I think that kind of hurt for me because because he has a very recognizable voice as well. Sure. I, I think that almost kind of ruined it at times for me because i was like because it is long 
And I think when you kind of dilly dally a little bit, and and this movie doesn't dilly dally, but it, it you know it it takes its time to like go through every aspect of the search, and some aspects are less successful than others, and some are more <laughs> successful than others. But I, I I don't know if knowing who the killer was and like who plays him helped or not. I, mm-hmm. I don't think it helped though in my enjoyment of this movie. Um, yeah. I don't know if that if that's a thing for all true crime movies. If just knowing how it plays out affects the mystery of it all so the mystery itself didn't really reel me in but i do think david fincher is such a good director so like everything looks really good like it's a really well crafted it's well scripted it moves yeah it it, it does the thing is the pacing does feel long especially in like the last two thirds but it it starts off really interesting like i i think cutting back and forth between the kills and then them back at the office like I really like those those uh, scenes and how they're interwoven. I think we kind of lose that a little bit as it goes on. We see less and less kills. Um, and, and I'm not saying I wanted this whole movie to be kills, but I like how different in tone they were and different mm-hmm. in, in style and pace to where like every kill kind of like bumped the film up a notch. Like it, it yeah. kicked things up a notch and then we kind of like reverted back to like, all right, let's get to the bottom of this. And now like, boom, oh, another huge thing happened and then we're getting back into this and and i kind of like that roller coaster ride until it kind of stopped <laughs> and it became more sure. about just like you know the the end events and, and how everything played out but um yeah i i think hype has a lot to do with it too because a lot of people hype this up as fincher's best and mm. i i think just going into it with the hype kind of knowing who the killer was not really just knowing what to expect and knowing it was super long and knowing it was a mark ruffalo movie and the fact that he doesn't show up in the first like 30 minutes or whatever Mm. like i just think that all kind of i I think my expectations were a lot higher so when i saw this i liked it but i wasn't in love with it if that makes sense sure yeah no yeah totally yeah how to pinpoint it but yeah that's that's kind of how i felt because i wanted to love it but i I was just like that was good um and and i think it's also because they're trying to make it as true to the true crime as they can obviously so they're Mm -hmm. not trying to really romanticize or dramatize anything to an extent beyond reality um but then i'm just thinking to myself like well then why wouldn't they just make a really good documentary about it and obviously they might not have the footage so it might have been cool to do a dramatic retelling but i always have to ask myself in these scenarios would it just uh, reading about it or like watching a documentary just be more in in inviting than than this uh despite the talent at hand and we'll get into the acting in a sec because we got to talk about ruffalo but like the the stars they get for it are really good uh but the movie itself i think wasn't as good as i had hoped or expected it to be Mm. uh, just based on expectation but yeah no i totally feel you dill honestly when it i like what you said about the killings because you you're watching the you know these these tragic things happen and you kind of realize, especially during like the lake scene where it's like the two couple who are like picnicking by the lake. It's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's silent. There's no yeah. like violins in the background. There's like in the stereotypical, like kind of horror thriller sense mm-hmm. of like that fill you with dread. Like, it's just like, there's nothing underneath it. And you're just like watching it play out, you know, as close to the true event, uh, you know, as it happened in real life and it's just very daunting and very unsettling and i think yeah. um you know it felt this movie feels very la confidential to me oh, and okay. yeah. like in a in a you know despite all like the corruptness of the police force and everything yeah. just like that style just like being like the 70s um and i i just love a good yeah. you know 
good old fashioned crime drama. You know what yeah, I mean? Definitely. Yeah. It, cause, cause this is very much more, and I think this is another criticism I have for it, but something that could work for people who are fans of the true crime is it is very plot forward. It is all mm-hmm. plot almost like, I, I think there are almost not enough moments of just the character building to where mm-hmm. like we get these, I, I think they're really well-rounded personalities, but in terms of their actual arcs and stories, I'm not as invested. Like we get hints that Robert Downey Jr. is an alcoholic, but mm. they don't go too far into it to where like, I, I wish they had kind of d- d- dove a little deeper into it. And Mark Ruffalo himself, like he's obviously got a big part to play, but I feel like we get a lot more of the other characters that we do with him in this, mm. in terms of just his personal life and his backstory. We we kind of get this little snippet that he like faked a letter uh, to, to like, to, from the zodiac to him uh, for for reasons i don't really know the reasons behind why he did it but then it turns mm. out that his name was cleared from it but like like why not explore that a little bit more and see what that does to him as as a detective and, and sure. what it does to his his mind and jake gyllenhaal i think we get the most character building from with his wife yeah. and stuff. but even then i wish they went a little further because i compare this to seven and seven came out almost a decade more than a decade before this and and that's one of fincher's other films i don't know if you've seen it so i won't spoil it um i have not okay uh it's it's the famous what's in the box movie um it's got morgan freeman and brad pitt and Gwyneth paltrow are pepper Potts. um Mm. but what i love about that movie is there's a dinner scene early on where morgan freeman basically comes over to brad pitt's house with brad pitt and his wife Gwyneth paltrow and they all sit down and have a dinner together and and just in that one moment, I feel like we got so much more character than we did in this film's three hours. You know, like I feel like we just got like so much about what their relationships mean and the connections between these main characters and like just who they are as individuals. So then when the murders started taking place and the investigations happened, like we kind of understood the stakes for every character. We kind of got where Morgan Freeman was coming from as this older detective. Brad Pitt is this younger detective who's kind of Mm. arrogant. And then Gwyneth Paltrow, what it means to be the wife of someone who's investigating murders here. Mm. I feel like the wife character doesn't get a ton of agency. And, and I feel like just the three main characters as fun as they are together in a scene and how interesting they are as actors and how good they are as actors because they are really good in this i just wish there was a little bit more of the character building than just plot because this is very much sure. plot forward. like this feels like a documentary save except for the fact that it is actors playing it and it is scripted but at mm-hmm. the same time like this this could just be a documentary if, if these were actors that no one had heard of before you could have told me it was a documentary and i would have believed you if that makes sure. sense No, I know. I get what you're saying, Dill. To play devil's advocate to that, though, it is interesting that we kind of all meet these characters in like the throes of kind of just like the biggest controversy Mm -hmm. and tragedy happening along the along in you know ever probably for these characters' Mm -hmm. lives. And you know, we meet them like the first time we meet Mark Ruffalo. Like he's in bed with his wife. He gets a phone call, and like one of his first lines is like. You, I don't know who you are, but like you owe me a new lamp. And they're like, well, we need you to come in. And he's like, okay, but first let me describe the lamp that you're going to buy for me. And it's like, right off the bat, I feel like I know this guy like right away, you know, like I didn't need like a whole build, like a whole prologue to like who this character is uh, as a person. I think that just commends like the writing and and the acting, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I didn't necessarily need like a prologue. I, I get what you're saying, but like, yeah, for some reason it just i was not as connected to these characters and, and i just don't no, know if I, that's because I it totally was get it. it's it's i think it's just more of the ratio plot to character more so than just the absence of character because there is character building stuff in here but in the three-hour movie you'd expect a little bit more i don't know um but let's talk about ruffalo because like what do you yeah. think of his performance as his character because it's the least flashy of the three i think yeah um, 
but but you you mentioned earlier how it, it, these three movies couldn't be any more different. So I'd love mm-hmm. to hear your thoughts on that. So when you say out of the three, you mean uh, uh, Robert Downey Robert Jr., Downey Jake, Jr. Jake Gyllenhaal, and, yeah, and him? The, those yeah, are the three I, I like, usually think of as the three leads of this. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, sure. yeah, you could sure. kind of rope Anthony Edwards in there, but yeah, yeah, those, those three. Yeah, he's definitely the more like jaded inspector mm-hmm. type, where it's just like, well, I've been at this for years. You've never believed. You've never believed to see the things that I've seen. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and and it's it was just very, it was I dare I say fun to watch him kind of be someone who's you know maybe has a little bit more of a pe- pessimistic view on life and not mm-hmm. someone who is like super like. Um, you know, open and friendly, I guess. As, like, like Professor Hulk. <laughs> at, well, you know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, no, because Professor Hulk, we've seen in these like hot oh, yeah, 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 trailers. Because yeah, yeah. okay. he is a mentor. Because when you said like older and jaded and, and almost, yeah, like the more experienced older guy of the bunch, that is kind of what She Hulk is going to be. Like, he's the mentor yeah. of She Hulk. But in the trailers, he's like, yeah, and you're green and you can do this. And I'm like, yeah, oh my yeah, God, yeah. He's, he's Shrek now. Uh, Professor Hulk is Shrek. <laughs> Um, See, but, but, when you but, said Professor Hulk, I like just went to just like regular Hulk and not this like cartoonish no, 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 no. like no, guy. No, no. The present Hulk, where um, everything's jolly and funny, he's taking no, yes, yeah. he, he's at a diner and he loves his omelets. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I get what you mean yeah. now. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. definitely a, a, a different side of the coin to that. A, a different, different side of the coin. No, yeah, for sure. And I just feel like the three of them are are such good actors that they just enhance whatever the other one is doing regardless of like who they're you know on camera with but yeah i i really like like i said like he can just like do he's so versatile in such Mm -hmm. subtle ways that like you watch him do what he did in 13 on 30 and you believe it and now you watch him be like an an inspector you know uh investigating the zodiac killer and you believe it like there's not in there's not a moment of his performance that i'm going okay bruce banner try to find the zodiac killer go ahead it's like no like he's totally just like this other guy now hulk smash zodiac killer um (laughs) (laughs) oh my god i just combined their names zodiac killer v hulk oh my god couldn't could never Marvel Phase Seven, here we come. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I I really like these performances. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is probably my favorite of the three, just because like I I think he's got the most interesting personality, and it's the most interesting thing. He's a cartoonist, and because yes. this guy's like a Zodiac killer, and everything's in like shapes and 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 drawings, it's like he has a big part to play. And you start to yeah. see how he gets roped up into it. Versus Robert Downey Jr., it's his job, and Robert Downey Jr. is an alcoholic who goes deeper into his alcoholism because of his fear um and eventually i i don't remember if he retires or he quits or he's fired uh, i can't remember necessarily i think he retires i don't know but he retires very early uh to the point where like he's just out in a trailer drinking his his yeah drink. um yeah yeah and mark ruffalo of course being the one who's like kind of not in the news area, but like in the investigation part, I, I like seeing the media and the police's different responses to it and how that's different, how they work together and work apart. Um, I, I think this is a movie that honestly, if I go back and watch it again, I think I will like more now that I know what it is. I think it was more sure. like going into it with expectations kind of hurts it a little bit, but I, I still sure. like the movie. I, like I said at the beginning, I like all these movies. They all verge from good to great. Um, and I, I will, the score I'm giving it is going to be above average, but like, I really do. I think other Fincher works for me, especially seven do this better, but I still think because it's Fincher, 
it's still going to look and be presented better than a lot of other directors work would for a movie like this. Um, and that's what I like about it is, is he understands the tone in the, of the piece. He understands the style. He understands the vibe he wants to give off. It's not overly creepy or horror esque, like you said, but it can get horror esque just by the absence of those tr- traditional horror, uh, tropes like the jump scares and all that stuff. Like mm-hmm. uh, the, scene, the scene that scares me the most is the one where he's driving with the girl and her baby um Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. to me scares the absolute shit out of me because honestly if i'm out by a lake i don't want to say this because i'm on camera but like dying out by a lake with your loved one it's terrifying it's scary but having your child your baby in your arms Mm -hmm. and, and being in this position where you feel like you're gonna get murdered could get murdered i think is even scarier like like the fact mm-hmm. that you have another human's life in your hands that just that was just introduced to the world too it, it's just scary it's so scary and yeah it, it makes it i i think even scarier knowing that it wasn't confirmed whether it was this guy and this guy's dead but it wasn't confirmed and the idea that other murders were happening that he was just taking credit for and the fact that this zodiac killer murderer thing could still be a thing i don't know um, I don't want to get into too many conspiracies because, again, this is on camera. Um, but <laughs> I, I just, I, I really, I think the actual true story of it all is the scariest aspect of it. And I think that always, when I was kind of in and out of the film, entertainment wise, I would at least be reeled in by the fact that this is still true story and it would get me back in. Because, like, I think just the aspect of it being true makes it a hundred times scarier than yeah. any fictional story would. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And and I do want to revisit it. I, you know, I, I know I talked more about the negatives, but I think it does mm-hmm. have a lot of strengths too. So no, um, yeah, Kelsey, I agree. Kelsey, what do you, what do you rate this one? I gave Zodiac a 7.5 out of 10. Oh, okay. So you're not as far off as I thought. I, I gave it a six out of 10, you know, like above okay. average. If five is yeah. average, I think it's it's definitely above average. It's just not, it's not my favorite rom com like thirty going on thirty. It's not a rom com at all. <laughs> no, absolutely <laughs> not. Romance and no if, comedy. If you're on, looking so. for if you're looking for a rom com, definitely don't turn to yeah. Zodiac. It's You'll so be different. disappointed. Yeah. It's so different. Um, but but that's all right because now we got a movie that is kind of dramatic and comedic, and it is all right because it's the kids are all the kids are all right. Man, I <laughs> effed up that segue, but no, um, but it was good. It was still good. I, I was I've been playing that segue for a while. Okay. Um, <clears throat> AKA the last thirty seconds. So, um, twenty ten kids are all right. This is his first oscar nomination uh, he hasn't won one yet which is sad uh but his first of three uh, followed by fox catcher and of course spotlight which won best picture um but kelsey tell us a little summary on uh mark ruffalo's first oscar nominated performance the kids are all right all right the kids are all right <laughs> 2010 oh, i love how your response was all right see you subconsciously segued yourself good job you just oh god there it was <laughs> uh, i was hoping you were going to say this director's name dill because i don't know uh lisa oh. cholodenko yeah that's it yeah oh okay cool yep. i tried my best yep. all right here's who, the summary what, who, who i will mention is i believe an openly gay woman so Good oh, for good for real good, realism. Wow, <laughs> 2010. Good for you. Would never have expected that. So, Laser and Joni are the children of moms Jules and Nick. But when Junie turns Junie, oh my gosh, Joni turns 18. Both kids get curious about who the man who uh, was their sperm. Who? Okay. <laughs> what? they want to find uh, out who their sperm donor is yeah yeah they, they get curious about who the man who donated sperm to their mothers allowing for them to exist yeah 
Um, and they do meet meet him, and they follow up with him. And the sperm donor is none other than Margaret Ruffalo. Mark Ruffalo. Um, wow, I I just watched this again for I think the third time. I I really enjoy this movie. I I think it's because you expect it to be one thing and then it ends up being another thing mm-hmm. you kind of expect it to be about the kids bonding with this dad and to an extent it is but i think it's more about these mothers relationships when a new person is brought into their kid's life as their kid oldest is going to college i mean it's very real and i think that's what's so interesting about this film is just how real it is and what it has to say about relationships and relationships with uh, sperm donors or surrogates and all that stuff like because that is a real thing i mean like this is their biological dad and and he exists and he exists in their town and they Mm -hmm. just don't even know who he is until she turns 18 or she's 18 she can call uh first off also the kids names i love it joni joni named after joni mitchell and then laser what a cool name i love it um but yeah kelsey was this a first watch for you this was the first watch for me, Dale. And well, I, I. What do you think? We have a Marvel actor in this movie, other than Mark Ruffalo. And no, it is Annette yes. Benning. It is. She is. And I forgot to mention it. Yeah. Uh, Supreme Intelligence herself. Absolutely. Uh, Captain Marvell. Yeah. Um, so, yes, this was a first time watch for me. Um, and it. And it was very, it was very reminiscent of me of um, Short Term Twelve, the movie that we watched oh, yeah, uh, yeah. for Brie Larson, a very yeah, like very life indie of life yeah. film. Mm-hmm. And no, but it was still, yeah, it, yeah, you expect it to go one way, and then it goes another. And mm-hmm. I love this one. I mean, I don't want to say this one's my favorite. I, spoiler: alert, I gave this one the lower score, but oh, okay. um, I love this one because Mark Ruffalo is such a presence in this movie uh, from like compared to the other two that we watched. Like this is the biggest he, role of the three. I like think. Yeah. he like he's in it and it's like, you know, he is the father, but he's also just like this like character guy. He works with like a pro, like a produce like co-op. He's very yeah, like environmentally runs, friendly. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. he, you know, he's like, Sleeping oh, I compost. Yeah. Riding a motorcycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like this, like, you know, this guy that like isn't tied down to anything. So he can kind of just like live his life the way that he mm-hmm. wants. And, you know, it's it's very he's a complete contrast to one of the mothers, Annette Benning's character, uh, who plays Nick. And because she, she's very straight, like she's a doctor, like, you know, very straight edge, uh, type A personality, whereas like her partner Jules, Jules. played by Julianne Moore, um, you know, it's kind of more of a free spirit, like Paul, Mark Ruffalo's character. Yeah. So, yeah, I I love how, yeah, like I said, it, it's, it's more mothers than, than the kids because it becomes a love triangle. And, and that's mm-hmm. not something I, I hate cheating in movies. Like, I think it makes characters very irredeemable. But sure. in this movie, you're supposed to find Paul irredeemable because I, I think this movie is about the false hopes we give ourselves and, and the idea that in the moment in the beginning it's really nice to have this fresh presence this guy who has no cares in the world this guy who is his own free spirit around but in the end it ends up being the thing that almost breaks this family apart not Mm -hmm. because he's stealing the attention away from the kids because we see in this dinner scene that annette benning's character nick does come around to paul because she realizes he likes the same music as me Mm -hmm. we connect on other levels he likes the same wine as me he makes a great medium rare steak but then, you know, it's it's the relationship. It's it's him sleeping with Jules that gets to 
Nick and, and that's what almost breaks up the family apart. So like, yeah, I, I think if that movie was just the first half without the cheating and it, and it's just about Annette Benning learning to come to terms with the fact that this guy's in her kid's life, that could be a very sweet movie, but then it's the extra layer of no, but it's about him coming into the women's lives that ends mm. up being what changes this family and ends up being the thing that almost breaks them apart and ends up making you see that Paul, despite being, probably a fine dude on his own is just not the guy that everyone hoped he would be. And yeah. in that last moment when he comes to apologize and she kind of shuts the door in his face, I think it's worthy and justified because as much as I love Mark Ruff Ruffalo, I think it's important to say that you don't necessarily need to keep people in your life that are going to hurt you and harm you at this extent. Uh, there can be forgiveness. And I think with Jules, we see that side of forgiveness. I think Jules and Paul, one gets forgiveness, one doesn't. And I, I think both make sense because like Jules, it makes sense why she's ultimately forgiven and why things are kind of okay at the end. Whereas Paul, they've only known him for a short while. So like, I, I don't feel as bad when he screws things up, especially because like, mm -hmm. if you really did love these kids and wanted to be there for them first and foremost, you would never sleep with their mom. Like, I just right. think that's common sense. So I think yeah. it was almost putting himself above the kids. And and that's why I think it goes to show that Nick and Jules are the right parents for these kids. Um, it just brings up so many complex things like that. Like, and, and some people might have their different takes. Some people might feel bad for Paul and feel like, well, Paul and Jules should be together because they, like you said, do share a lot of common commonalities. And it's not specifically stated whether Jules is bi or lesbian, but, you know, she's in a relationship with both Net Benning and Mark Ruffalo in this uh, to some extent. Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, like I, I personally took, took away the, the, like, I think Paul fucked up and, good that he's out of the picture now and and it's all about this family but like some people might feel bad for him and, and feel like he deserved more of a shot and see Annette Benning more as a villain I don't really um but I, I'd love mm. to get your take like, like where do you fall on all this like because it is a very complex yeah. movie kind of like 13 going to 30 it's like on the surface it's not that deep but then when you look deeper into it it's like it's it's pretty deep um, yeah because it deals with so much about like just parenting and and a not abandonment, but the idea of like having someone come back into your life who has not been present uh, and what that brings and the responsibilities that that brings as well. Yeah, Dale. I mean, it's very interesting because I feel like there is no clear cut antagonist in this yeah. film because, you know, it's easy to just blame Paul because he, you know, came and, and like wreaked havoc on their lives, like was a wrecking ball to their relationship. But at the end of the day, like Jules was the one who cheated. True. And, so. you know, she's the one that's going to have to make this right. And uh, it was like completely what you said. Like, as soon as the cheating started started happening, like, I was more upset for the kids. And when the kids found yeah. out and, you know, Joni calls Paul and is like, what ha like, how could you do this? Like, right. uh, like, I brought, like, I was the one who brought you into my family's life. And, like, mm. this is how you, they, you like, you're going to treat us now? Like, there's got to be some layer of now that Joni's dealing with, like, you know, taking responsibility for what happened between her moms and like, you know, almost blaming herself, putting, making herself at fault here. Um, but at a certain, I'm like, I really wanted to just like really hate Julianne Moore's character because like right. she was, she was the big, big, bad cheater, whatever. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I don't know, she just gives such an endearing performance that I'm yeah. like, I kind of don't hate Jules mm -hmm. either. I and agree. I, I agree. Yeah, I don't. I and, don't hate Jules at the end of this, and I think that's good yeah. because if you if the movie made it so overt that you had like that you couldn't 
not hate Jules. I think it would be a, a, a pretty shitty movie because, you know, what is it trying to say then? You know what I mean? Yeah. And for me, at the end of the day, like the character who needed to go through the most growth and I feel like have kind of more of an arc was Annette Benning's character because Nick, Nick, yeah. she was because she was really like trying to like stick to her guns the whole time. She was always like, you know, taking like a more restrictive, more mm-hmm. um, like she was punishment the bad cop first to side. The good cop. Yeah, right. Yeah, to, you know, raising their kids. And as we saw throughout the film, it's like that really was not like the tactic she needs to be going about, like parenting Joni, because, you know, Joni has her big speech at the end where it's like, I did everything you wanted me to do. I got straight A's. I didn't do anything wrong throughout my entire like high school life. Like I've been your perfect child. Like, don't be mad at me right now for like being drunk or whatever. Like, you know mm. what I mean? So it's kind of like, when you at a certain point when you put too many boundaries and too many restrictions around your kids like that's only going to make them want to rebel more and it was that lesson that i was like we're like at the end when she rides the motorcycle with paul and joni and uh not joni you know joni's riding the motorcycle with paul but nick is like what the hell is going on like joni knows that this is something that i don't that i never wanted for her like you shouldn't have allowed my daughter to do this and paul's just trying to give her some friendly advice like hey maybe you should ease up a little and Mm. she might come around and paul's totally right but like yes i get it like it wasn't his place to like give parenting advice by any means but it's like that's kind of what nick needed to hear maybe not necessarily coming from paul but i was like she just felt like the toughest like nut to crack for me and for me like i don't want to say that she was the main antagonist because at the end of the day she's the one that is betrayed but well i I I think it's different for for character because like yeah. I, I think for Jules, the main antagonist is herself. I think for sure. Paul, the main antagonist is Nick. And for Nick, the main antagonist is Paul. And I yeah. think that's what's so interesting. And that's the perfect love triangle because, you know, every character has their own antagonist. And and I, I think Jules is probably the most profound because it's her own self-doubt and her own. But but then again, also Nick never took her career seriously, whereas Paul did. And and that's something that right. she latches onto. And it, and it that's goes another to, thing. It's like, does she cheat because she thinks Paul is like, like she likes Paul? Or is it just because Paul gives her what Nick doesn't? And I think that's also what's very interesting. Yeah. And it doesn't justify yeah. Julianne Moore's character, but I think it makes it easier for her to be redeemed than Paul. Because Paul, the whole time you want him to, you're just like, but you just met your kids and you're fucking it up, dude. Come on. Because he yeah. knows it's wrong. Yeah. And that's why I think it's harder to redeem Paul because Jules, it's almost yeah. like she needed, not that she needed to go through this because no one needs to cheat, but it's like she almost, this experience changed her for the better. Whereas Paul, I think it, it changed, it might've changed it for the better because now he won't ever do it. But again, how many other sperm donor parents is he going to meet their kids and, and you have this opportunity for? And it's almost like he fucked up this one chance. And I think for him, it's like he doesn't get another chance because this is it. Like now they're they're in and out in their lives, and now they're out. And he can try to reconnect maybe with with uh, uh, God Joni when when she goes to college, maybe. But it seems like the kids don't want to hear from him yeah. either. And it's like interesting how like she uses this experience to say I messed up, and this is what I'm going to do better. Whereas he says I messed up, but there's no one to kind of do better too and four mm-hmm. and that's what's kind of ultimately sad about paul's story and why this is such a good movie i think because it layers these characters to where now even talking about it i feel for paul and and, and 10 minutes ago mm-hmm. i was like paul sucks but now i'm like yeah. but i kind of feel for paul in that sense it's like because he did have a connection with these kids you can see that um and, and i love when she talks about the fact that like 
you have laser smile like you the, the same little laugh thing you do and, and yeah stuff yeah like yeah I, I love those moments where he's with the kids you know he's driving on the motorcycle with Joni and he's you know filming those videos with with laser of his friend who sucks clay just, you know clay <laughs> jumping off the roof oh. and, uh, clay sucks clay sucks clay sucks. Clay's the, clay's clay's the antagonist. antagonist yeah there we go because honestly that, that's another thing yeah and I wish they went a little further into Joni's friends because I feel like they try to make that a plot point and then kind of just like fizzle it it doesn't really have much of of an impact but but i i think this is really good and i like what you said about short term 12 it's presented in a very laid-back style that again fits mark ruffalo really well uh because he is so laid back but but like you said also he's so different in all these movies but it's the same vibe in terms of just the way he goes about it which makes it all the more fascinating like it's the same energy that he's giving to zodiac and 13 going on 30 but it's a totally different edge if that makes sense, like different, same yeah. energy, different edge. And, and I really like that. I think he's um, really good in this role. You kind of love him and then you kind of hate him. And I think that's the goal you want you because, because there are things about him that are worth admiring. The fact that he is so accepting of Jules's job and the fact that he does love these kids and wants to give them more freedoms and let kids mm-hmm. be kids um, mm-hmm. and let them be adults when they want to do adult things when they are adults, when she's 18, but also he's not he's not a parent he's never been a parent and i think that's what's yeah. something also that that this film teaches well is that the people you know that that parents deserve a lot of credit because it's yeah. hard and i think that's why annette benning's character is not just this flat-out villain because she yeah. of all people you realize how hard it is uh to parent and and i think she succeeds in conveying that message too i i think these performances are also good like even the kids i, I think josh hutcherson's really good this is pre-hunger games josh hutcherson yeah. this is mia wasikowska the same year as alice in wonderland so she's still yet to get her big break but like oh you wow know, it, really really good performances from everyone all five of the leads so um yeah i i really like this one yeah any, and any i other love yeah, and I and I just love how it all comes full circle at the end. It ends on Joni's moving day to college. And, mm-hmm. you know, we Dill and I can both relate to that kind of like, all right, this is this is kind of it now. And she has this heartbreaking moment where she thinks that her entire family just left, just left. because <laughs> without saying goodbye. And it yeah. and it's because like, you know, she's kind of been, you know, a little bit bumping heads a lot with like her and her family throughout the last summer before she leaves. So it's like, oh, maybe you know, maybe they did just leave because that's what I've been kind of asking them to do. I've been kind of asking for more space to push them away to let me do my own thing. But it's like, now that I have that, it's like, fuck, I'm going to miss my family. And then, you know, it's just, (laughs) it it was just very relatable because I I remember, you know, college move-in day being, being a a tad emotional, even though, you know. I don't, I don't think I cried in my move-in. No, I don't think so because like my parents, lived so close like i wasn't going too far and i knew i was like i think i'm coming home in two weeks it's fine (laughs) but but yeah movies when they do college scenes of college kids getting dropped off to college i sob like a baby i don't understand it they are the most if you want to see dylan cry (laughs) sit him in front of a screen play him kids are all right play him ladybird give him some toy story three any scenes of kids going away to college he will ball like a little baby yeah i don't know why but it's just so so touching to me and and i think it's because i i am the oldest and i think when you're the oldest you kind of see from an older perspective your parents parenting 
and I think that's what's interesting. Like I got to see, obviously my parents parented me, but I got to see my parents parent my younger brother and sister and kind of like look at it from that lens. And I think you know, parents deserve a lot of credit. Parents or guardians, whoever raises you, like that, that mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Like that's, that's a big thing. You're basically setting per someone up for success or sometimes failure. And I, I think I, just seeing my own parents and my own experience seeing kids go to college and movies and stuff like it's almost like i it's not all about the kid it's more about the parents and the parents saying we did a good job with this one you know and that's what gets me emotional because like yeah in this movie especially it's like that's what brings them back together at the end is because they realize like we made two great kids we made two great kids biologically he made two great kids but like we raised two great kids like we made them who they are for real yeah and I think this this movie, the really at its core, what it's saying is that the people who make you are not the people who biologically make you, but the people who make you who you are and raise you to be who you are. And like, that's what that means. And um, yeah, and, and it's, in terms of the title, too, I like the title. Kids are all right, but it's not spelled all right. It's all right. Um, because in this movie, the kids say it how it is. You know, they call it how it is like laser. Mm-hmm. I love that scene where he's like do you guys think I was gay? Like, I think that's just so funny. Cause it's like, yeah, it's funny to see two lesbian women or one lesbian, one, one bisexual woman, like, res- like treat coming out in homosexuality in such a different way than you'd see very conservative parents. But even like, even the most liberal parents, like they're even hesitant at first. They're like, but we're okay with that. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Like, like I just think that's so funny. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And it's fun to see the kids perspective through all of it. Cause everything they say is it's all right. It's all correct. It's it's their observations are all correct because right. these parents honestly have more growing to do in this film than the kids do. And I, I just think it's so, so smart. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so I give this a solid like eight out of 10. I think it's solid. I really, really enjoy it. Um, it's not like one of the perfect movies I think like 13 going on 30 is, but I actually really enjoyed it a lot more than Zodiac just from a pure, pure entertainment and enjoyable lens. Um, so it's an eight out of 10, but, but Kels, what would you give this and, and what are your final thoughts? I gave this one a 6.5 out of 10. Cool. Uh, just because I don't know these, these movies as you know, heartwarming and enjoyable as they are, they're never my go-to. Mm. Um, so as far as me recommending this to someone who, I mean, I don't know, as far as me recommending, I, you want to see a good Mark Ruffalo performance, you definitely watch the kids are all right. because It's yeah. just totally different. And it's, it's just like you, you see him in like a totally different lens and it's, and it's great. But yeah. um, for me, it's, it's a 6.5 out of 10. Yeah. And I will hey, go on record and average. say all above average. So all above average for sure. And I will go on record and say that I for sure cried on my college movement day. <laughs> I think I cried. Okay. I only cried because I was moving from my beach house. So my aunt was there and she cr- was crying. And I was like, okay, you can't cry because now I'm going to cry. And then yeah. when my parents like finally left and everything was all packed and in, and it was just like, okay, bye and i was like bye i just like sat in my room it was like okay <laughs> it's just me now <laughs> I, yeah I, I, and I, I, I like I, like you said jill i didn't go too far away either i was still in new jersey so it's like i don't sure. i'm just like a big old staff i guess <laughs> i i'm trying to think if like i yeah i definitely didn't cry you know what i think it is it's seeing my mom cry makes me cry yeah seeing my or my grandparents so like i think i did i didn't see them cry but okay. when when my brother, I didn't drop off my brother at college, but I remember the first summer or one of the summers where him and his girlfriend, Michaela, came to s- stay with us. And at the end of the summer or whatever, he went back to Florida because he drove 
you know, he had his big old truck. Mm -hmm. He drove back. And I remember that um, saying goodbye. And then as soon as they pulled out of the driveway, my mom kind of turned around. It was like, quietly sobbing and i oh, lost it i lost it because because no. because it's like because it, you got to remind yourself this happens every year for four years you know it's not yeah. like you're just sending them away and then you don't see them for four years or see them ever again like you have to go through saying goodbye to them four times unless of course they're living somewhere else for the summer but like for my family it was always we come home for the summers and go back to yeah. college in september or august or whatever but like yep. I, I i think it was like seeing my brother go was it wasn't sad for me i was like all right see you dude and then but watching my mom walk back to the house crying, trying to hide it from my brother too. Like very, I was like, Oh my God, I, I think that's what made me cry. And, and my sister yeah. as well, because we, when we dropped Nina off at, at AMDA, uh, we, we, um, we, I, I actually did move her in for that one. I helped her and, and yeah. we drove, we literally went out to eat afterward and then we drove her back and, and driving back. Um, yeah, again, my mom got emotional. And, and I think that's what it is. Seeing my parents get emotional made me emotional. Yeah. But my, mine, I didn't see my parents because I was at the college. They had left. So I didn't get to see the aftermath, the cry. Right, um, and, and right, Jeff, right, right. And, and I've only seen Jeff cry once, and it was during Coco. Um, oh, <laughs> wow. Coco was, was the one. Wow, that's he's great. He's probably cried before. I heard I heard he cried the day I was born. That that My mom has I'm said sure that's he the only did. time she's seen him cry was, was the day I was born. Um, so... Uh, I take credit for that, but I have wow. personally not seen him cry except for Coco. Um, sorry, Dad, I outed you. Um, <laughs> yes, you, you My... cried during Coco, and I did too. I did too. I'm not saying I didn't. I was <laughs> no. We there. all cried. During I, Coco. I was. Come I was. On. I was wiping his tears with my tears. I was like, here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was. It was bad. It was bad. It was bad. Oh, that movie. That movie. I don't think there's any Marvel actors in there. Otherwise, I'd be on that like cake. Um, <laughs> that was that that movie I want to talk about all the time. That movie makes me so sad. But it's yeah, so good. you seen Coco? Of course, I've seen Coco. Of course. Well, yeah. yeah. The first time That's I watched, oh, I'm not going to incriminate myself. Never yeah, mind. yeah. Don't, don't don't do this right now. Mark, Mark is down there having a good old time. We don't want to ruin his vibe. <laughs> so, um. These three movies, I don't, I mean, we've, we've given out our rankings, but, but like Kelsey said, she, if you had to recommend one Mark Ruffalo movie, you've already given your scores on the movies themselves. As for a Mark Ruffalo movie, what would you recommend? Cause you obviously, I think of your three, I think 13 going 30 was your highest rated or was it Zodiac? I don't remember. Yeah. So it yeah. was 13 going on 30. I gave an eight Zodiac got a 7.5 and this one got a 6.5. All right, but which one would you recommend for if someone wanted to seek out Mark Rowe? If someone had only seen the MCU and was like, I want to see that that Hulk guy, not the first one, the second Hulk guy and another thing, what would I, what would I go with? Uh, I think you got to watch 13 Going on 30. <laughs> really? Okay. I yeah. I think it's 13 Going on I mean, I'm always going to recommend that. So, yeah, I, I would recommend that too. But I think for something, right. different, for something different, I'd probably go Kids Are All Right. But, like, I don't know. But then again, I could see Professor Hulk being like, produce. So I don't know. Um, <laughs> Stop. I, I could I too, I actually. I don't know if I could see Professor Hulk chowing down on some razzle reds. Maybe. I don't know. Um, that was Mark Ruffalo. Peace out, Mark Ruffalo. We're going to remove you for just a bit because we are going to talk about the next movie club and it will not be Mark Ruffalo uh, because we still have another week of the off season. And I don't know if we're going to get two trivia matches in. If for some reason we get two trivia matches in by next week, we can probably air that, but we are going to be doing a movie club regardless. Uh, we are going to be doing 
Um, we're going to continue along with our original core. We, we got, uh, we, we've done Black Panther, Spider-Man, and, and Captain Marvel. But of the originals, we've only done now four of them. We've done Iron Man, Hulk, Black Widow, and Captain America. There's two left, and we're going to do one of them. We're doing, because it's still kind of in theaters, we're going to be doing Mr. Chris Hemsworth, Mr. Thor himself. Um, we decided to pick movies, uh, again, we're trying to span their careers. We didn't go with Star Trek, even though that is his, technically his first movie. Um, mm. we, we didn't want to go with that because he's only in the first scene, even though it's a great scene. Maybe, Kelsey, you should watch that one scene on YouTube, um, just okay. for a fun little bonus. Um, but... Uh, those movies that we are going to cover because Thor was his big breakout after that. But the, the first big movie after Thor that he was in 2012's The Cabin in the Woods. Nice fun mm. little horror movie. 2013's Rush, directed by Ron Howard, uh, also starring Daniel Brühl, who plays uh, Helmut Zemo. And then uh, we are looking at the new film on Netflix that came out this year, Spiderhead from 2022, a movie that came out in the same summer as Thor Love and Thunder, very fresh, and a movie that came out with the same director as Top Gun Maverick, which is the biggest movie of the summer in terms of money and box office, and mm. in my opinion, quality. Um, so <laughs> we are going to be looking at that, also starring Miles Teller. So he's in two Joseph Kaczynski movies, which is very interesting. Wow. But um, we're, we'll be looking at Cabin in the Woods, Rush, and uh, Spiderhead next week um, and we're looking forward to it. Kelsey, any last thoughts uh, as we wrap up Ruffalo and move on to Hemsworth and uh, what are your socials? Let's plug them. You know, Dill, I realized I forgot to do this because I put it at the end of my notes app, but I did start saying how our actors got into acting for these little movie clubs. So Ooh, really quick at yes, the end tell here. It. Wait, let me bring him back. Let me bring him back. Yeah, bring him back. Mark? Bring him back. Here I am. There, you, there you are. <laughs> I don't know why it's getting, it's it's starting to sound a little too much like a previous president and I don't want that to happen, but yeah, you know, no, no, it's no. the New York <laughs> thing. It's the New York thing. But like, you know what I'm talking about, Mark Ruffalo? He's, he's very like No, he's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, he's very like breathy when he talks. So oh, I, I get what you do here. Mitchell? You named that the Joni Mitchell? That's cool. But he's absolutely the exact opposite of Donald Trump in every single hey, way. Hey, don't say his name. Hey, this Sorry. is my channel. I don't want you to say his name. Sorry, bleep channel. it out. Sorry. Bleep it out. Do like a. No, I, I don't have the time. Bar. Fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll bleep <laughs> it out. But it. anyway, so Mark Ruffalo started acting in his teen years. He performed at the Patriot Playhouse in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Then he moved, him and his family moved to San Diego and later um, L.A. Sorry, just fixing my skirt. Um, <laughs> moved to San Francisco. It's <laughs> just very funny. It looked like you were like, dancing Francisco or something. San Diego. I was like, what is she doing? Is this like a San Francisco dance I don't know about? <laughs> <laughs> we moved to San Diego, not San Francisco. Either um, way. And then, he, and then he moved to L.A. He took classes at the Stella Adler Conservatory. Oh, and his first cool. kind of big break into acting was being in uh, part of the original cast of the play by Kenneth Lon Longren Longren Lonergan Kenneth Lonergan there you go <laughs> Kenneth Lonergan this is our youth yeah. and through knowing uh Kenneth uh he got a role in uh the movie You Can Count on Me which was Oscar nominated maybe he wasn't but it might have been he wasn't um, but the movie i think the movie was that's what it said on wikipedia i will, I will tell you in just a sec why don't you tell us about your social also, media and i will and i will find uh i that. looked at the cast of this is our youth the play and across the board it is freaking star studded jake dylan hall was in it at a certain point another marvel actor michael Sarah, 
all mm-hmm. kinds of actors were in, were yeah, in that it's play. Good, it's so. a good play. I, I'm a big Lonergan fan. Like Lonergan, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Manchester by the Sea with Casey Affleck. He uh, wrote and directed that. Uh, he also wrote um, Lobby Hero, which was the, I, I believe, uh, I, I don't want to, maybe it was Chris Evans. Yes, the one that Chris Evans and Brian Tyree Henry were on Broadway. Oh, and, yes, yes, yes. Um, yes, yes he yes. threw the stash out. Yeah, Lobby yes, Hero. Yes, yes. He wrote that as well. So, like, this is our youth and Lobby Hero and uh, Manchester by the Sea are, like, his big things. But I, I'm a big Kenneth Lonergan fan. Uh, yes, to to confirm, it was nominated for two Academy Awards. Uh, Laura Linney from Ozark yes. was nominated for Best Actress. And then it was up for Best Original Screenplay for Lonergan, which was um, uh, You Can Count on Me, which I had never heard of. So maybe if we revisit Ruffalo, we'll have to uh, watch that. Perhaps. But here's where you can find me. In the meantime, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Kelsey A. Kilpatrick. You can follow me on TikTok at Cause13, or you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, Cause Production. Yes. Um, and if you want to check us out on video, you can head to the Dill Pickle Movie Network if you're already here. Hi, we, we've, you've seen our faces. Um, uh, but if you're listening on podcast, thank you. Give us a five-star review. Um, I am on a quest, uh, which I haven't talked about on this on this channel, but oh. I'm on a quest um, to become Rotten Tomatoes certified in the next two years. That's my deadline. I'm, I'm giving myself two years because the next application process is March of 2023. How can we do that for you, Dill? How, well, how can I help you? up the parameters but the channel itself and this is the the big stretch that might be difficult um but the channel itself i i think needs a certain amount of subscribers that i know i'm far away from getting but like if this takes off i'm hoping something will happen a bite uh where um i could i could get that um certification but it needs you need at least two years of active content uh and then you need um hold on i'm getting the guidelines uh okay a minimum this is going to be tough but thirty thousand subscribers on a video okay so that's a long ways away but two years thirty thousand gmail accounts and and subscribe to you that's two (laughs) every time i make a new gmail i subscribe to you dill i'm trying to bump your numbers um yeah you need a minimum of two years so this uh in february i believe or february march of next of 2023 will be two years of content, but then I also need 30,000 subscribers or in order to get certified through podcast, we need to have put out podcasts for two years, uh, publish at least four episodes a month, which we do. Uh, and it needs at least 200 ratings on Apple podcasts with a minimum score of four stars. So this is where you all come in. If you're listening, the subscribers on YouTube, I think might take a little while, but if you can get uh, a minimum of four star review, if you feel like we're worthy of four stars or even five stars, five stars helps even more let us know uh, give us a little podcast review even if you're watching on youtube go to the podcast feed subscribe to the podcast and like give us a minimum score four stars if you think we're worthy of it if we think we're worthy of holding that hammer um Mm -hmm. and and then uh we we also need a social media presence which i believe i have um but that is that is a goal and i'm also going to uh spoiler alert by the end of the year start up the dill pickle podcast which is going to be all my videos that i have on youtube in dill in podcast form so there will be two podcast feeds marvelous movie mondays will be its own podcast and then we'll have the dill pickle podcast which is going to have draft day picture this frame wreck uh great american film off recipe for reality and all my reviews and lists 
all of those seven things are going to be in the Dill Pickle podcast. So when a video comes up on YouTube, there will also be an audio version because I know some people have said, I like listening to you in the car, but I hate ads and I don't like the fact that I have to keep my phone open uh, for YouTube to watch it. And I don't sure. want anyone to pay the obscene amount for premium. So uh, I was like, hey, let's let's make it on the go, especially because picture this is like usually averages on one and a half to two hours. Uh, this show's long and that's why I love it on pod- podcast form. But this will be its own podcast because I don't want to merge the worlds like this is doing well on its own in terms of like I, I want this to grow on its own um, mm. because this was a podcast first and foremost but the other stuff I will have available on podcast form by the end of the year I'm going to start backlogging a bunch of stuff and then once it's all up I'm going to drop it all at once so you guys can see it uh, but yeah if we get like a bunch of reviews on this podcast and that podcast uh, once that's available I'm hoping to, to become Rotten, uh, Rotten Tomatoes certified um, that's my end goal for two years so 2024 is my goal for that uh, it's a long term goal because I think it's going to take some time but I'm going to try my best early next year I'm planning a 24 hour subathon which is basically where I'm going to be streaming for 24 straight hours and hoping to get more subscriptions and likes and stuff it's a way Whoa. I've seen a lot of other creators try to get uh viewership and all that on twitch i know youtube limits it to 12 hours so it's going to be two videos an am and a pm uh or a a day shift and a night shift if you will but um i'm i have plans for that day which i'm very excited for so a lot of fun stuff planned for the future of this channel but i really want this to start taking off in the next few years uh really really give our creators not just myself but kelsey matt chad crosby zach uh give them all of the uh, attention they deserve. Um, so that, that is the end goal for 2024 is to hopefully have enough subscribers on here, have enough listeners and and reviews on the podcast to, uh, become Rotten Tomatoes certified, or at least eligible to apply. Whoa, I hit my mic, uh, eligible to apply for certification. I know that was a long spiel, but I think it's important because I want you guys to get up there liking, commenting, and subscribing. Commenting actually is the number one thing that drives uh, visibility on YouTube. So uh, help mm. us out, like and comment. Commenting is great, even if it's like a great job. Or for this one, if you want to tell us what you thought of these films or some of your favorite Morocco films, please let us know down below. But obviously, subscriptions really matter. But in terms of visibility, comments really do go a long way and likes, of course. So thank you guys so much for watching. I know that was a long spiel, but we got to get to the business nitty gritty because I do want pe- more and more people to see this and view this. And we want to start being able to give Kelsey money for this as well because she devotes so much of her time. And I know she said it, she's only does it for the love of it, but um, we want to start monetizing this podcast as soon as possible. So um, thank you all so much for watching and we'll see you next time. (laughs) 